Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 197, How Hormone Changes and Menopause Symptoms Are Perfectly Designed Gifts, with Tanya Elfersey. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So I have a guest. I haven't had a guest on the show in quite a while. I don't know, a couple months maybe. I've just been doing this myself, but um, but I'm excited. I have some guests coming up in the lineup and I'm really, really excited about today's guest, uh, Tanya Elfersee. She is a coach. Uh, she helps women through menopause and perimenopause and I just, I loved this conversation so much. I really, really loved it. I want to encourage everyone to listen, even if you think you're far from any hormone changes that might might be called menopause, uh, even if you're a man, it doesn't matter. Like there's so much great stuff in this conversation because of course, menopause, perimenopause, hormones, none of this is any different from anything we ever talk about. So in this conversation with Tanya, we talked about how everything is working perfectly, how everything that happens is happening for us, and even down to the symptoms that are showing up when we go through perimenopause or menopause or any any time change in our life, any any hormonal kind of shift, there are certain symptoms that show up and how those symptoms are really showing us exactly what we personally need. We're so quick to call them a problem to, you know, of course, when we're identified with thought and we're in our head, they look like a problem. They're in the way. They're uncomfortable. We don't like them. They don't fit with our plans. And so we just try to push them away or medicate them away. And this is true, obviously, whether it's menopause symptoms or anxiety or depression or addiction, it's true in everything we talk about. But I loved how Tanya talked about it here with regard to hormone changes that that women go through later in life. Uh, she has a really amazing story about having her own perimenopause symptoms and having a pretty big insight about thought and her symptoms going away. And she has had symptoms since that arise, but she sees it in just a really beautiful inside out, totally different way. She sees these symptoms as as life showing her exactly what she needs for this sensitive time in her life. And I think there's just so much in that to see. Um, we talked about other times, other times of change in life when, when hormones are doing funny things like in puberty and in pregnancy and post-pregnancy and, and even with men at different times for men in their lives and how the stories around these these times of life shape our experiences so much and how they really don't have to. You know, there's so much leeway and permission given to teenagers going through puberty or pregnant women. You can just take a nap and just do what you need to do and take care of yourself. Yet, when it comes to menopause and perimenopause, the story is really, really different. So I love that. I was really impressed with Tanya and how she she has a an understanding of where our experience comes from and the and 
the wisdom in the design of everything, a deep understanding of that. And she also knows a lot of like the history of menopause and how different societies view it. And I think all of that matters a lot. You know, we we are conditioned with a lot of stories and a lot of beliefs and they for sure come up and affect our experience, especially in times like like menopause. So super excited for you to listen to this one. Um, again, it's for everyone, no matter who you are, where you are in life. And if you want to hear more from Tanya, I'm going to share the link to her website in the show notes. She does private coaching. She has courses around this. And I just, I just know for sure that anyone working with her or going through these changes is going to have a really, really different experience. So enjoy this conversation with Tanya Elfersee. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Lovely to be here. Excited to share. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have you. So um, you you talk a lot about hormones and menopause and perimenopause and how this understanding folds into that. And I, uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation because as we were just saying before we recorded, you know, I'm sure you you face this constantly, especially you and I do too, even where there's all these things that look like exceptions. I mean, just a handful probably, but for sure, physical things and in particular hormones, for some reason, they just seem to look like, okay, this is where it ends. <laughs> like everything you're saying is, is fine, but not when it comes to my hormones, you know? So, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to explore that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So just let me know where you'd like to start. We'll yeah, dive so, right in. <laughs> yeah. So maybe just say a little bit about how you got into this, because I know your personal experience is what kind of drew you into this, this understanding. Yeah. So I was in my early 40s, about a decade ago, and I just started to feel bad in many ways. Um, I started to get sick a lot and my mood was all over the place and um, I was having lots of migraines and skin problems and, um, and I, I just felt like I was falling apart and I didn't know why. And my kids were sort of at that time between three kids, between four and eight. Um, so I was over the intensive, uh, hands-on bit, but obviously still, um, uh, juggling, you know, motherhood with, with what I was working at at the time. And, um, but I just really felt very, very different and I had no clue why. And so I started um, treating symptom by symptom and going to acupuncture for this and using creams for the skin problems and et cetera, et cetera, and using all kinds of herbs and alternative treatments. And I could um, bring some kind of symptom relief, but I really still felt off and a few years in, I heard about perimenopause, and that was the first time um, that I had heard of such a thing. And I turned to all my 40-something friends and said, do you know that we're actually in the process of menopause? And I didn't think I had to think about that till I was in my early 50s, because that's what I was told, right? Menopause on average. 51, you're far away. But of course, just like when we're teenagers, the process of us moving into menopause takes time. And for some reason, certainly a decade ago, there was much less awareness of, of that uh, process. And menopause had been cut up um, into perimenopause, menopause, which becomes a point in time one year after your last period, and postmenopause. 
And like so many women who enter their 40s, I didn't know anything about perimenopause and I thought menopause was a long, long way away. So that was interesting and it gave me a framework. And I was like, okay, I'm not going completely mad. Lots of women go through this. What can I do now? And then you start researching and everything is around your hormones. So it could be the traditional hormone replacement therapy to the more alternative, maybe bio-identical hormones to all kinds of creams that are kind of in the hormone space. But the idea is you've got to fix your hormones and then you'll start feeling better. And that didn't make any sense to me because it was like, why, why, why would I need to fix my hormones? Why did I make it through my teenage years? Fine. Did I make it through three pregnancies and birth? Fine. Postpartum fine. And why would I need to fix my hormones now? What's going on? And I started doing more and more research about what, what actually happens in menopause and it's not what we're really told. And, and then I came across the three principles and very soon had a massive insight, which was tiny, but created a massive change. And that was just about thought, about the nature of thought, that I didn't have to take my thinking seriously. And if I didn't, life would probably be easier. And I thought at that moment, I thought, "Mm, I think I've probably somehow cleared up what the time was two weeks of PMS every month. So that was like my mood swings from ovulation to menstruation Mm -hmm. every month. It was like totally out of whack. And I thought, I I think I'm not going to have PMS anymore. And literally within days, all my symptoms uh, cleared up completely and stayed away. And so that's that was way back in 2015. And so it's not to say I've never had another symptom since, but it's it's very clear to me, I get out of balance internally. Symptoms start to show their little face on the side as a reminder that I'm out of balance and I come back into balance and the symptoms go away again. So I'm generally, you know, symptom free, happy to share, still menstruating, but, you know, getting closer and closer to menopause and we'll see when that happens. Yes. That's amazing. Um, like, I love how you just, just, you kind of describe it like, like, oh yeah, I saw I didn't have to take my thoughts so seriously, <laughs> you know, and then bam, <laughs> so much changed. But I think, you know, people listening to this get it. We, we kind of know, like, and you can't describe an insight, really. You can just describe it in the words that are available in this moment. But clearly right. something was really seen and, and really shifted from just from that. Yeah, because my big thought that was bringing me down at the time was that I'm not enough. And it was, I'm not enough with, I was, um, I had uh, launched a book and self-published and won awards, et cetera, but I wasn't selling it. And I felt like a failure in terms of that. And with the motherhood, you know, still being very hands-on with the kids. And I felt like I wasn't succeeding at, you know, being anything. And looking back at my corporate career and thinking, oh, I used to be at the top of my game and I used to know, et cetera, et cetera. And then feeling very unsettled. And of course that was all made up. I was making it all up and I was taking it seriously. And when that thought came to mind, it made me feel bad. And I thought, because it made me feel bad, there must be truth in it. Whereas we know the bad feeling is just showing you where your thoughts are going at that, at that moment and, and not more than that. And so once I could see that and I could see, oh, just because I have the thought I'm not enough, it doesn't actually mean I need to take it seriously. That was the game changer. Yeah. So how do you see how that tied in with your symptoms? 
I know right. it's a weird mind body thing and it's hard to describe, but yeah, like right. how is it that you can see that and feel like you can imagine that? I mean, I think people can imagine that you'd feel a lot of emotional freedom and mental freedom, but how is it that these symptoms went away? Right. So the way that I see it is, is perimenopause and menopause, just like our teenagers, just as when women are pregnant and postpartum are all sensitive times. And our bodies react differently depending on where our sensitivities lie. So the truth is the symptoms that I was having in perimenopause, for example, the skin, I was having terrible eczema on my hands. I also had that when I was working in my corporate job pregnant with my first child. Mm -hmm. And I also had that when I was a teenager, I had sort of all kinds of weird skin issues going on. So that's a sensitive part of my body. And when things are out of balance, and especially when there's hormonal changes going on and it's a sensitive time, then a symptom is expressed in that way. But it's just a way to remind me or to show me that I'm out of balance, that something is, is off course. So for some women, it could be that, you know, if they're sitting on the couch all day and eating potato chips or crisps, as we say in England, um, then, you know, it could be that they would get symptoms and it would sort of be pushing them to go out for a walk and maybe, you know, eat a healthier diet. That could definitely show up. Um, and it could be if we're not sleeping enough, then we're going to get symptoms. Or um, if we're indoors all the time and not getting enough outdoor exposure, sun exposure, et cetera, we could be getting symptoms. But what I'm finding is a lot of women who I work with, they've done the raw diet, the exercise, the everything else, and they're still experiencing symptoms. And they think that it's all something on the outside. And then we come to realize, oh, actually, there's a lot inside uh, that's going on. And when we bring balance inside and we can grasp this nature of thought and combined with this divine guidance that actually exists within us, then our bodies can just get on and do their job, which is, as they know perfectly to do, go through times of hormonal change. Our bodies are designed to go through these times. Our bodies are designed to go through perimenopause, menopause. And we can get in the way with our thoughts and, and it creates like an interference, as it were. And what's, uh, what all that's happening with the symptom is, or the symptoms, is that they're trying to wake us up. They're these gifts that come. And I know when you're in the super of symptoms, it, they do not feel like gifts. And I've been there. But they are gifts that are bringing us onto a path of good health. And this is really one of the points of menopause and perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, that whole time of change is that we're supposed to understand where good health lies. And I believe it's an intelligent process that is designed to keep us healthy in our older years, right? So there's this whole, you know, if you look, you can look at graphs of chronic disease or you know, all kinds of diseases. And you can say, oh yeah, there's definitely an uptake, you know, in at midlife. And so some people think, well, that means that's just the way it goes, right? Downhill from midlife and on come the diseases. But no, there's something that happens at midlife that creates an adjustment and a awakening to teach us where good health lies. And so the behaviors that for some of us, perhaps we could get away with in our 20s and 30s, Come midlife, the body's like, mm, just not going to let that happen anymore. 
right? I'm not going to let you live on that level of stress, eating that level of bad food, getting no exercise, whatever it is. And I'm going to start talking to you. And we're so, you know, at the beginning, just as I was, oh, just let me, you know, get rid of that symptom, get rid of that symptom, get rid of that symptom. And and then just another one arises, another one, because the body still wants us to wake up. And so it's a whole awakening process for us to understand and, and be able to live healthier, longer, happier lives through to, I don't know, 120. <laughs> but it's part yeah. of the design. It's all part of the design. So, you know, in our modern culture, menopause is not viewed like that at all. It's viewed as a kind of a downhill pain in the neck, pain in everywhere, you know, kind of disease. And it used to be called a hormone deficiency disease in the 1960s and 70s. And, and that kind of whole concept of you know, some kind of disease, some kind of disorder, some kind of malfunction has carried on, but it's actually not. It's a very intelligent process that's designed to bring us back to the path of good health. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just, as you talk about it, it's, it's so crazy that, that we treat it like a problem and an illness. And, and of course, it goes the same for anxiety and depression and addiction and everything we talk about, anything really. I mean, we just are so quick, like you said, to just swat it away, medicate it away when it's, it's like just such a gift. It's just a little pointer back to our health and back to little tweaks that we can make to really thrive. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's, that's so huge. So, so does it seem like a similar thing is happening also during puberty and during other times of hormonal fluctuation? Yeah. Um, but for some reason, we give um, teenagers, pregnant women, postpartum women, more space to have an experience of being a little bit out of balance. For example, you know, teenagers, they're falling asleep all over the place. And no one said, oh, you're not allowed to sleep in the afternoon. You're not allowed to sleep, you know, right? uh, right? What are you doing? Sleeping on the floor, you know, know, in the middle of the day. No one would say that because it's like, oh, they're teenagers and their sleep is all over the place, et cetera. And um, and we understand that they go through that sort of developmental process and they're becoming their individuated self, if you like, or however we want to describe it. And the same, like if a woman is pregnant and she starts experiencing symptoms of swelling or infection or something like that, the doctor may say to her, well, you know, how hard are you working? Here, take two weeks, you know, sick leave so that you can just rest because there's this understanding that she's in this important time. She's carrying the baby. She needs to look after herself. And, and so we give pregnant women rest and postpartum perhaps, you know, not so much in our culture, but you know, there is perhaps an understanding that, you know, after birth, we do need rest. Yeah. And we come into perimenopause and menopause and we're often juggling the career, the, the kids, the parents, the, everything going on. And we have this, you know, mental load and, and it's weighing us down and we're rushing to try and pick up all the pieces all the time and putting out fires and, and running around and not getting very much support, most of us, because we live separated from extended families, et cetera. And, and, and all of a sudden we start falling apart as it were. And w- and there's this thing that comes up, oh, it's your hormones. Just fix them and everything will be all right rather than looking, oh, what's out of balance in my life and how am I understanding stress and everything that's going on in my life and what other choices could I make? And perhaps I need to listen to the cause of my body and, and slow down if I feel that's what's needed. 
And and it's so needed for so many women. I speak to women, for example, they used to run marathons or participate in triathlons, et cetera. And they come to midlife and they're like, all I want to do is go out for a walk, but I feel really bad because I used to be so athletic. But that's clearly their body saying, slow down. You're going through change. Give yourself the nourishment that you need. Yeah. Um, and it's all there. The wisdom is all there in the body. We just have forgotten or aren't taught to listen to it. So yeah. yeah. Or we just think over it. We get so attached to, like you said, I'm I'm a runner or I'm this kind of person or I work eight hour days or whatever it is we get attached to, which are which have nothing to do with who we are. It's just the things we've done maybe in the past. But when when those feel like identities and it feels scary to lose them or potentially lose them when they start to shift. It does, like you said, it feels like there's such a drawback to um, like this phrase that people have been saying since COVID started. I just want to feel like myself again, or I just want to get back to normal. And so I love in what you're saying, it's like, well, maybe we're not supposed to get back to normal. Maybe, maybe change is what's meant to happen, you know? It's, right, right, yeah. right. And I, I love that you've picked up on that because in society, for women at this age, they're not, society isn't very open to the acceptance of change. And so, so many women go through this time and they don't want to change. And it's like, no, I want to stay younger. I want to look the same. I want to keep on wearing the same clothes. My hair needs to be the same, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no um, embrace of change is actually good and what's needed. And I like to remind women, actually, you're moving to management level. You're supposed to see things differently. You're supposed to see the big picture. And you're supposed to move to a role of an elder. That's You're in training to be an elder. And if you don't change, and if you don't learn anything on the way, then you're not going to be able to serve your family, society, etc., because you haven't gained the knowledge. And, And it's sort of built into our individual development and development as a society that we're moving on to a different role because society doesn't give that honor or respect, then lots of women are like, no, 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 I just want to stay the same <laughs> and don't change. And, and so I'll just keep medicating and I don't want to you know, learn anything on the journey. So, um, but what's interesting is lots of women, for example, go on HRT, they're allowed to go on to it they're allowed to be on it for seven years. And then the doctor will tell them, that's it, time's up. They come off HRTP, all their symptoms come back because they haven't been on the journey. They've just medicated it out. And so the body's going to jump back up and say, okay, you didn't want to learn seven years ago. You're going to learn now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, all it does is postpone, right? What's what's inevitable. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting when you were talking about um, how you saw, okay, maybe my thinking plays a role in this and then the symptoms went away. Um, I wonder if it kind of also, if you see it also work the other way for people where where they really see something about the role of thought and and that feeling is okay and that change is okay. They have something into that and the symptoms maybe are still there, but they're not felt in the same way. Because it seems like it would kind of go both ways, right? I mean, you can be having all kinds of symptoms and sort of know, oh, this is just change. And you're going to have a really different experience of those versus like what you were just talking about if we're pushing them and resisting them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I had this big change in terms of insight, end of symptoms, 
for most women, it's much gentler. And, and what goes on is a very different experience of symptoms. And like I've said, I've had symptoms um, pop up every now and again, and I have a completely different experience of them because I've, I can remember a time when something was going on on the internet and some sort of bullying, let's say, of my work. And it, and I was having a very negative experience of it. And I started having night sweats, but I didn't go into the panic of, oh my goodness, I'm having night sweats and I need to fix my hormones, et cetera. No, it was because I have an understanding. It's like, oh, this is so interesting. You know, I can be up at 3am and sweating and that's so interesting. And all I needed to do was wait. And I saw something around what was going on and they went away. So definitely women are having, through this understanding, very different experience of symptoms and much more acceptance that there is an intelligence in their body that's leading the way. So we can come up and say, oh, I need to fix, you know, surely I know how to fix and do, et cetera. And actually it's the opposite that is required. It's a relaxation into the intelligence that is behind everything. And, and a, and a listening for that, because I, I see people like, okay, like if they're sort of on to, you know, okay, I know this is a message. I know this is my body trying to tell me something. And then it's easy to jump in our heads and try to figure out, like try to decode it. Like it's a puzzle we need to solve, you know, what is it and what should I change? And then you're kind of back on that same hamster wheel again. So, so yeah, what do you see around? It feels like it's just a, almost like a space of, okay, I don't know. This is how I would talk in my own head. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to see here, but show me. And I'm, and I'm listening for the wisdom. Yeah. And, you know, we don't always have to know why the body is doing this. But as I understand it, even every symptom is an intelligent response to the conditions that are. So for example, I was getting eczema from um, uh, just regular hand soaps that weren't 100% natural. So if I went to a restaurant or you know um, visited family or something, then I could get eczema, an eczema breakout from that. And and what was going on there was an intelligence in my body. That wasn't a malfunction. That was my body trying to detox the chemicals in the way that it knew how to detox the chemicals. Now, of course, in my own home, I would only use natural soaps. So that kept the eczema much lower. After my insight, there was no eczema. Not because I didn't visit um, restaurants and I was certainly pre-COVID, I didn't visit restaurants or friends' house or anything like that. It was because my body could detox the chemicals in a different way because of the reduction in stress that was going on in my body. Mm-hmm. So, but it didn't make the eczema an unintelligent response, just as night sweats or hot flushes. They're not unintelligent. It's what the body needs to do. And actually what's so interesting about these classic symptoms of hot flushes and night sweats is that actually teenagers get hot, pregnant women get hot, women postpartum get hot, but it isn't put into this category of sort of hormonal malfunction, right? It's just like, oh yeah, when you breastfeed, you can be sweating there on the couch, right? Or teenagers like, I'm not wearing my coat, I'm hot, right? And it was, oh, your hormones are malfunctioning and thus you must go in and fix your hormones. No, it's just like, oh, teenagers, they're hot. Pregnant women, they're hot. Postpartum women, they're hot. 
oh, but when it comes to menopause, oh, then that's malfunction. Well, no, it's obviously the body's way of doing whatever it needs to do as it goes through this period of change and it's using the heat to do it. So does that mean we have to have hot flushes and night sweats? No, but if something is out of balance, the body's going to use the heat in a way that it knows how to do it and it's intelligent. And so once we can get our head around that and go, hmm, what does that look like if all the symptoms are intelligent? And I actually don't have to go in and try and fix them because the body's doing what it needs to do in the conditions. So we don't need to try and fix the symptoms. We go back upstream and we change the internal conditions, which is what we can do through this understanding. I love that. I mean, there's something so big in just seeing that we aren't going to always know the reasons for things. Most of the time we aren't, but we have this more upstream understanding that there is a reason and it's a good reason. It's everything is happening for us. And again, I think because I work with habits and anxiety and stuff, I mean, it's the exact same there. When, when people say like, well, what benefit is it that my mind is ruminating all night? Well, yeah, if we jump in a story and try to find a benefit to all night rumination, you're not going to find it. But there's a ton of benefit in a mind being a habitual machine, in it thinking it's protecting us, whether it is or not is another story, right? But I, right. But I just think, we keep backing up and backing up and you see this bigger picture. And in that bigger picture, I mean, everything is like just so perfect. And from our little narrow view, we won't always see the exact perfection, but we can know it's there. And that goes so far in just reducing stress and worry. And right. All that. Yeah, absolutely. It's this relaxation into the intelligence that is, into the divine guidance that exists always without boundaries, without limits, without age, etc. And that can just help us get through these times of change as the body is designed to. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that really speaks to my question about, like I had a question around like, how can we, when symptoms are showing up, just not resist, relax into that. And I think what what you're saying now speaks to that in large part. I mean, to me, it seems like this bigger sense that, okay, there's nothing to resist, like it or not. It may be comfortable, it may be uncomfortable, but it isn't a problem. That alone does so much. Right, right. Yeah. And I want, I would like to just bring up, because often a point that's raised at this point is, yeah, but women never used to live through menopause, right? (laughs) Because you look at these life expectancy charts, you say, look, you know, people used to, on average, die at the age of 40, et cetera. And that's all myth as well. The average life expectancy used to be much lower, but that wasn't because women were getting to menopause and dropping off, right? Children, uh, there was a very high mortality rate among children. And so this created a low average life expectancy. Mm-hmm. But once uh, you went into your adult years, you had a very good chance of living into your late 60s and 70s throughout the ages. And we know that. And we know that menopause is talked about in ancient Greek literature. It's mentioned in the Bible, etc. And it's not mentioned as there was one woman who lived past menopause <laughs> and she was exceptional. No, it was just understood that there's something that goes on at women and they uh, lose the ability to uh, give a birth um, after a certain year, and that's just the way it is. So 
there, this idea that women never used to live beyond menopause, and that's why we have symptoms, is also completely made up. Women have always lived beyond menopause, um, and and the body's always known how to go through that. And I believe in ancient times we had a different experience of our body, our symptoms, and spent a lot more time relaxing into what was and and had much less of. I guess I'm not enough, which is so often, you know, what we carry today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really just so, so huge to see that physically this is exactly what's meant to be happening. Exactly. Just evolutionarily and physically, like we don't need, obviously we don't need the same hormones in in older age or else we'd have them. Like there's no mistake in what's going on. Right. Um, Do you think do you think things are changing? Like even in the 10 years that you've been really interested in this topic, does it seem like like the societal story around this is changing at all? Um, I think there's more awareness for women in their 40s. Like I said, when I heard about perimenopause for the first time, none of my friends in their 40s knew what that was. We'd, we all thought, and, and this was sort of the, a kind of medical mashup really that it, it just pushed menopause into you know being this single point in time 51 and all these women in their 40s just felt like they were falling apart um women actually if you look back at books from the 1990s even menopause was considered something that started in your 40s it was considered this long this long you know journey mm-hmm. of change so somehow you know that um, it, it, it wasn't very useful for women that medic- medicine did this and then women didn't know about perimenopause. So there's certainly a lot more awareness of perimenopause. I still think, though, that we're, we're as a society, very bought into this idea of, yeah, but hormones, right? It, it must be my hormones. And it's so interesting because this change in hormones that occurs, how can that possibly create all this incredible range of symptoms that women experience, you know, 30 plus symptoms that women can have um, in perimenopause and menopause. And like, well, does that really make sense? And the fact that women in different cultures experience perimenopause and menopause differently and different women experience it differently, but we all go through menopause, it doesn't add up. And of course, women can take hormones and they don't get symptom relief and some women do get symptom relief. So it, it's we often in modern society, want the thing that's going to fix us, that's going to come in a pill or some kind of cream or something that will just be a quick fix. And our body's just not about that. It's just not. It's not. It's not. I mean, you can in emergency, but you, you know, it's just, that's not the point of midlife change. Thankfully, Um, it's not like, it's not about that because that's not the point, right? (laughs) Yeah. But it's very difficult because we, we tie it so much with hormones and there is a change of hormones. We think symptoms arise because of the change of hormones. No, the change of hormones creates a sensitive time, which makes symptoms more likely to arise if something in our life is out of balance. It's the out of balance bit that creates symptoms. So it can create, I certainly know, for example, 
men who've had anxiety, who've had like what we would call hot flushes, right? But they wouldn't call it hot flushes. They would just like have this heat, this burst of heat because of their anxiety. And that was their body's way of dealing with this lack of balance in their body. Um, but it's, you know, we we tie it all, all these 30 plus symptoms to the hormones, the hormones, it must be the hormones. It's not the hormones. What you just said about men, I don't know, it's kind of making me think of how for sure they go through their own versions of all of this that, ha- that maybe, yeah, we don't think about as hormones and maybe not even so physical, but you think about, I mean, men have funny symptoms sometimes when their wives are pregnant. They, they go through all kinds of stuff at that point. Even this thing we call a midlife crisis, like what is that? And that's a version, it has to be, right? Of life kind right. of helping wake them up and help them see new things. Right. Cool. Yeah, because they also are supposed to go through this process of learning and awakening. So they will also protect themselves, know how to protect themselves in old age. And we, we exactly, like you said, we call it the midlife crisis, which is totally made up. Right. There's no... There's no thing that says, oh, you know, like the switch goes on and then you, you move into midlife crisis. But what happens is the body starts delivering symptoms and we feel uncomfortable. And then our response to the discomfort is a pill, the midlife crisis, blow it all up, you know, run away, whatever happens, because we misunderstand what's going on. We just feel discomfort. And then we think, that means something's wrong. No, it's just the body saying, hey, something's out of balance. Not blow up everything, go and have a midlife crisis. So, but again, like that sort of, the influence of the idea of the midlife crisis just makes it worse in Western culture rather than if we understood that there was this change of energy, of realization that goes on at midlife, we'd have a much easier time of it. And there are, by the way, cultures, for example, in Japan, they their word for menopause, if you like, it's not really menopause, it's konenki. And it, and it does mean this time of sort of shifting energy and m- movement to a, a new phase of life. So, yeah. Yeah. I heard you say somewhere that um, like something around like our estrogen levels don't go below where they were in puberty or something like that. So it kind of, yeah. I don't know, to me, say more about that, but it kind of highlighted like, okay, so there's just different stories happening at these different times. It isn't purely physical. Right, right. They don't drop below our sort of prepubescent uh, levels. So if if we want to say, oh, that's low estrogen that's causing hot flushes, blah, you know, everything else. Well, you know, an eight-year-old girl, does she have all those symptoms? No, she doesn't. (laughs) So it's not that. Neither does a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old girl. And there are challenges in teenage years. But when we're in our 40s and 50s, we often have a lot more pressure on us. And we're not dealing, we don't know how to deal with it. and We don't know how to cope with it. And, And I don't think society is supporting us at all. And, you know, society awareness, uh, these days, in sort of in the corporate um, sphere of things, would be like, oh, give women control over the air conditioning. 
Because <laughs> right? yeah. if she's <laughs> on the heating, the air conditioning, whatever it is, because if there, if she's hot flushing all day, then she needs to have control over the heating in her in her office, right? There's that's the awareness. <laughs> it's like the she's inevitably inevitably going to be having hot flushes, so that's what we can give her in terms of uh, feeling uh, control. But it's complete misunderstanding. It really is. Yeah, I love. Uh- I don't know. I just think it's so cool to see how how the stories about this stuff contribute. You know, like you said, like I some some women when they're pregnant. I mean, it's such a beautiful time. That I felt like that. Like, wow, I do. I get to nap whenever I want. I get to eat whenever I want. It's like this permission thing, which is crazy because I had the permission all the time. But that's how how we're conditioned to think about this stuff. And I just. I don't know. I just look forward to the day when it's more like that around menopause. And it, right. it feels like hopefully, you know, people like yourself that are talking about this, it's hopefully going to start to move in that direction more and more. But I love that you are such a, uh, like you not only know how our experience works and have the deeper understanding, but even just the history of some of this and the way that different cultures talk about it, because it does feel like one big package deal all of that contributes and it just feels really important yeah yeah and I love what you're saying about the permission and that's something that I really encourage women to look at um for example these days as I'm still menstruating I have a completely different experience of those days leading up to menstruation because I listen into my body and I allow myself to rest more because that's exactly what my body wants and we've lost that in the culture of, you know, you're able to pick it up when you're pregnant because like you said, society gives us permission. But in other societies, women have permission to go slower at midlife and don't have all this nonstop, you know, energy about them. And so before I gained the knowledge that I have today, you know, leading up to my period, maybe I would like reach for something, you know, oh, I'm feeling tired. Therefore, I must have caffeine or I must have this or whatever and and push through because I cannot possibly crawl into bed at 7 p.m. That would be absolutely, totally unacceptable. Whereas today, I give myself permission because I've learned to listen to my body. And I know that that sense of I'm really tired is an intelligent symptom. You know, women often come in menopause and they're like, I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted. Oh, yeah, it must mean, you know, you need hormone replacement therapy. No, actually, it's really simple. Try and rest. (laughs) (laughs) Try and rest more. Give yourself permission to rest, to slow down and see what happens. Because if that's what your body's telling you, there's exhaustion. It's really simple to feed the need uh, and nourish your body in the right way. The answer is usually so much more simple. Than yes, do. it really is. You overthink <laughs> it and it's like way out here somewhere. Like, no, it's really simple. And we just listen and do what makes sense. If we yeah. can just do our first inclination, you know, which just take a break, like whatever it might be, I think to a mind that never feels like enough. A mind wants like, no, let me find some grand gesture and like make this change instantly. But the answer feels right. like it's always so immediate and close and simple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why society has made it all so complicated. And, you know, and it's all about, oh, go and get tested and then see what your hormones say. And there's literally this 
sort of communication that happens between women and their doctors about, are you in menopause? Are you not in menopause? And it's, it's like, it's this long journey. If a woman feels change is coming along, she's in change and we can embrace that change. We don't have to see what the computer says. And if the computer says you're allowed to go on HRT, then you're allowed. And then you're seven years. And then, you know, it's so much simpler. It's listening, learn what your body wants and really embrace that sense of change because it's for our it's for our good and, and our development. And, and it is what's supposed to be. So we really don't have to medicate it away. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. I love it. I just, I feel like you, you know this obviously from your own experience, but I can feel your passion for it. And you just like have such a well-rounded grasp on this. And I think women who are struggling would just benefit so much by listening to you and <laughs> seeing this other side of it. I hope so. Yeah. 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 How do you you support women? Do you work one-to-one with people or you have courses? What do you do? Yeah, I have both. I work one-to-one and coaching uh, sessions. And I also have an online course, a three-week online course that uh, expands on the topics we've been talking about, about uh, a holistic approach to midlife women's health and the intelligence of our bodies and wrapped in uh, the understanding of the three principles. So, yes. Awesome. Well, I'll share links to that and uh, yeah, I really recommend it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. It's been a pleasure to join you. Are you coming to meet me in Chicago? I hope so. I'm so excited. So excited for this Chicago event. Finally, after a long two-year hiatus to get back to in-person events The theme for this one is life appearing as everything. It's going to be an incredible exploration, discussion. People get so high at these events. They want to stay in touch. Like just so much shifts after being in a room together in real life, immersing in this conversation for two and a half days. So the early bird discount ends on May 1st, which is just less than a week from now. And that saves you $100. So look into it. The link is in the show notes. It's drimijohnson.com slash LSBC Live 2022. And I would love to see you in Chicago.